0: On the White House lawn, September 15, 2020, the peace agreements brokered by the United States of America between Israel, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain were signed. The peace agreements between the nations would be known as the Abraham Accords, in homage to the Biblical patriarch of both Jews and Muslims. The Accords have ushered in a new era for Israel and the Gulf region, enabling diplomatic relations, trade, commerce, tourism and cultural exchange the Accords of the Potential to Impact the Trajectory of the Middle East. The Abraham Accords podcast will be your source of quality conversation for anyone interested in the region with weekly guests on a range of topics from all signatory nations. My name is Robert Curtis and I will be co-hosting this podcast with Fleur Hassan Nahum, Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem and my co-founder of the UAE Israel Business Council. Thank you for joining us. Hello, how are you?
1: Hi, Robert. Lovely to be back. How are you? How's your week been?
0: It's been a good week. We've had another... Week of you know political roller coaster as usual. Every week seems to be so interesting, and uh, I just hope that whatever comes next with the new administration, that you know continued good focus is played to the Abraham Accords because you know that is definitely I think the highlight of 2020 that we want to what take. What do
1: you mean the highlight? The best thing to come out of 2020? <laughs> it, it wasn't was hard. Down. Let's be honest. <laughs> Absolutely. It will go down as a very tough year with one silver lining, and that is these Abraham Accords. And today we are so, so privileged to have an incredible new guest with us, Al-Hashmi, Hashmi, who is an incredible woman, sister, uh, soul sister, uh, an entrepreneur. A futurist, we're going to get into that at the moment, a humanitarian doing great humanitarian work, strategic thinker, marketing, and uh, also somebody who is an expert in media. Welcome, Adia.
2: Hello, Floor. Hi, Robert. It's
1: so to lovely see you having, having you and hear your voices. Absolutely. You are Mrs. or Miss Dubai. Tell us a little bit about how you are developing and influencing the amazing different free zones and ecosystems that you that, you, that you're such so influential
2: so starting from an experience where i wanted to do, to develop more understanding of business i worked in the banking sector uh, to understand how business runs uh, meet a lot of people in, the, in in the business as well and being able to understand how the ecosystem works within the uae and I ventured into working with one of the free zones dedicated for technology here in Dubai. Uh, it's Dubai Silicon Oasis, and it's, uh, it's dedicated to tech where they uh, emphasize and work with technology companies. And from there, I ventured into starting my own uh, company, which happened for a couple of, t- I've done a couple of companies actually, and I failed, which I'm so proud of because that's part of my learning. And the reason why I am here today and being able to learn and, and share the knowledge as well with other entrepreneurs who are starting. So they were there in my place when I first started. So that's how I got into the free zones where we developed a technology entrepreneurship.
1: Alanud, for people who don't understand what free zones are, maybe explain to us a little bit. What is a free zone and why are they so popular in Dubai? So free zones, we have over 40 free zones
2: in the UAE. Dubai have plenty of free zones and they're dedicated for different sectors and segments. It's allowed companies, international companies to establish their offices without needing a local partner. So they don't need someone like me to be a partner to establish the company. They have 100% ownership and they have all the facilities as well. So every free zone have its own buildings, offices to make the the soft landing kind of process of establishing everything, getting all the paperwork done, a one-stop shop concept.
0: Tell me, Eleanor, before we dive more into business and the Abraham Accords, just for our listeners, tell, us a little, tell them a little bit more about who you are. Just give us a, a, a 360 of your background.
2: I'm a very simple person. I was born in Dubai. I, uh, I love cultures and I love meeting people from different backgrounds. And that's where I worked in media. I started uh, studying media in higher colleges of technology. It's a government uh, college. Uh, education system where people where students actually can get free education and uh, therefore uh, after graduating I worked in different tv channels uh, doing different tv shows and producing short films and documentaries and I fell in love with that box that you have in your house every house sometimes multiple rooms in a house that have access to all our minds and that's when I realized how powerful media can be and I fell in love with it well, there's, it comes in, there's different uh, spectrums to my experience, but it started definitely with me in media. And that made me really meet a lot of people with film festivals like Dubai International Film Festivals. You have international audience coming from all over the world. So there was this rubbing shoulders with different experiences. And, and I, I believe because of that here in Dubai and in the UAE, we have that open mindset where we're open to people and different opinions and we can have conversation and people are, tend to, to, to work together. We have over 200 nationalities in one place. So that really helped me gain experience from a lot of international experts in different industries. And from there, as we said, free zones, starting my own business, failing a couple of times, nailing the, the one I'm working on now, and hoping
1: it becomes very prosperous and a successful business. Uh, I know one of your ventures, businesses, maybe the one that you're doing right now, is the Futurist Company. And uh, Rob and I have, uh, we're simple folk. What is a futurist? Tell us, and, and, and how do you see yourself in this kind of paradigm? It's a very interesting word, because some people are gonna tell go, you futurist is when we're gonna live in space.
2: <laughs> to me, futurist <laughs> is when anything that, any any kind of project or or initiatives, or even mindset of things that's gonna happen in the next minimum, five years and, and, and beyond. So anything that's gonna happen in the future that will be able to assist us to have a better future, uh, a healthier, uh, let's say a health system, a better health system, efficiency in the future um, in ways where, where sustainability is considered thought of, where environment is thought of because we really have serious issues now. And if we don't tackle it now with very smart innovation technology solutions, we're gonna struggle in the future. And I, I know that you in Israel, Florian, we would know better than me. You guys really investing in that because it is the future innovation and technology.
0: I, I, I think what you're saying is really interesting. And I think if I bring it back you know, to the purpose of this podcast, the Abraham Accords is certainly the sort of future runner um, that has enabled countries in the region to start to coalesce around some of these topics because when we're able to talk to our neighbors and our friends and our partners uh, we're able to solve some of these problems um, together because all of those problems you mentioned if we do them alone we, we can't we can't win so if we we combine regionally and of course globally then we've got a much bigger chance to do it so for you when the Abraham Accords were announced How did you feel about it? What was your understanding of Israel before? And how do you view the process of normalization?
2: So it's very interesting. Um, Let me put it as I've never felt that there was an issue. It was always an emotional conflict. It was always sadness that maybe drove us apart or did not allow us to come together. And when that happened, it showed us the potential, not even a glimpse, not even the whole potential because of COVID, we did not even, we were not even able to do it like full fledged, you know? It was a glimpse of a potential of what we can be in the region. And I do believe the Middle East is the future. Not only how how we think, it's how fast we work, how how we progress and the mindset of All together we rise together. We have that within the region. It is part of our culture. It's part of how we work on daily basis. And the Abraham Accords gave me um, not only that glimpse, I'm just having so much faith in our leadership. And every Emirati will tell you that we know they would not make a decision unless they saw something in the future good. And then when you see in the first month, you realize, oh gosh, it's happening now. We can see it in just a month. That's just beautiful. It's phenomenal. I'm I'm, I'm really 100% sure that we will will be able to compress time. Uh, It's going to shock the world what we'll be able to do in the next five
1: years. I'm so excited. By the way, I I 100% agree with you. I think that with peace, um, we could be the world superpower, the Middle East. I, I really do believe that because it's a combination of resources and ingenuity. And I think that between us, we have the resources and ingenuity um, to be honestly one of the leading uh, leading regions. All we need is just some peace, understanding, more communication, et cetera. And, and, and we can definitely, definitely get there. Um, and I'm really curious, Alanud, uh, because you use, uh, I think you, I believe you studied abroad um, uh, in, in the United States or the UK, um, what, for you, what were the experiences when when you were there in terms of uh, the, the different cultures that you experienced before you came back and decided, well, I'm coming back home and I'm going to take everything that I've learned and all my skill set and apply it here to making my home a better, more advanced, more innovative place. A
2: lot of people they think I lived in. When I have a British accent, they think I live. <laughs> I have a very American accent. And they think where where are you from in the U.S. And I'm like, yeah from Dubai but it's such a melting pot and because there's so many cultures around us we kind of pick up the the, the tongue the the, the accents and, and and that's how we we speak I lived in England um that's where my husband from so I lived in UK for a few years where I was working as a consultant for a couple of companies one of them I worked for a, a Jewish family who have a fashion line and oh one of the most amazing experiences of my life they're my family and friends and they come and wow. visit. All the time. Uh, and it was part of being able to understand, because it was hours of conversations, of understanding each other, and, and, and the similarity overcame the whole conversation.
1: Uh, it was just uh, a normal thing. I think that's I think that's the most maybe surprising to some people, but so exciting to, to me certainly. The fact that we have so much more in common than what than what divides us, the fact that you know Jews and Muslims are Semitic people. Uh, You know, we don't just look alike, but we we have very similar mentalities, especially for people like you, which is the majority of Emiratis that I've met who've actually had time living away from the UAE. And so, um, you know, that kind of combination of a Western education and Eastern mindset is super familiar to to Jews. Um, And I and I for me, that was when I went to Dubai, I just. I just felt at home. I I didn't feel I was in a strange land or in a foreign place. I I really felt at home. And I think that's the most, for me, the most emotional part of this whole experience.
2: There's a lot of emotions in in the whole Abraham Accords. It is is a political, there is a, 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 an economical uh, impact definitely in a plan and but the emotional aspect is what's bringing the people element and that's what everyone have noticed with the Abraham Accord it's people connecting and very interested to know about each other Uh, it's like you you know I've watched this documentary where these twins are separated because they've been adopted by two different families and they never get together but when you bring them together that's how I feel it's like this yep. family this 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 family this relative that I never got to meet and I want to know everything tell me everything about you what did you <laughs> eat what do you like it's literally that kind of conversation but had. it is
1: like that you you know we're both in these in these groups in these whatsapp groups and it's all what do you do on this festival And how do you eat that it is there's so much curiosity and thirst to learn about the other which is really what gives me hope that this is a long-lasting peace because it's bottom-up, uh, you know, grassroots peace, not just top-down. And another thing that I want to ask you, and I, I think that's very fascinating to Western people, um, the faith that you guys have in your leaders, you know, because we live in a country that is constantly second-guessing. Maybe this is what democracy is constantly, constantly second guessing and always thinking the worst of our leaders. And you guys are exactly the opposite. You only think the best of your leaders. Of course, you have a proven track record that, that your rulers have done such a wonderful, wonderful job in developing your country. But they, this, this faith, is so steadfast. I really admire that. But
0: Fleur, Fleur, before Alilud responds, in Israel, and I think one of the Prime Ministers over time has said this, you know, when you become Prime Minister of Israel, there's six or seven million people who also think they're Prime Minister.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is it really like that? So everyone likes to... Everybody thinks they can do better than you, you know? that's a kind of i don't know if that's a healthy competition <laughs> it it's not it's different. not it's very visceral actually it's very it, it can get very ugly i'm not saying that we have to take leadership and not question it but it gets really bad. and then when i come to dubai and everybody speaks so well of the rulers it's almost like a, a a cleanse for me from like this horrible politics honestly if if
2: i can pin a reason for that it's very hard yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Yes there is this element of we see them personally in different functions and occasions and they're approachable They're and
1: accessible
2: they you. yes they will tell you how is your mother how is she doing you know that personal they, they all do that wherever you meet them if you go and approach not like they have bodyguards around and they'll tell you not you'll see them walking in the mall going to have coffee and the thing about It would happen regularly. There are certain places you'll see them on regular, you'll be having your lunch and then the ruler of Dubai just sitting behind you having his lunch with his team.
1: And it's okay for you to say hello?
2: He would just respond back. How are you doing? And out of courtesy, you because also here, a lot of the celebrities like to live here because we don't have paparazzis. Privacy is respected. And it's built in. So whoever comes and lives here, it's built in. You cannot even go and chase someone or stalk someone to take pictures. So we respect their space. And you would not feel people like, oh, I want to. We don't bother them. That, that, that is isn't the tendency to be in these places. Now, that is one element because we see them and you can talk to them. The other element is the history of the UAE um, and our leaders. And we're going back to Sheikh Zayed and Sheikh Rashid and, and the, the rulers who came together and made the United Arab Emirates. They've seen hard times. They've seen hardship. They've seen times where water was scarce There was no vegetables. Uh, it's either you're a Bedouin where you have camels and goats or you are um, living on the sea and, and your, your food is the fish, whatever you catch from the sea. They've seen that and they wanted to give us the best. And my mom have seen that. So we lived in a rapid growth in 50 years. Well, this year the UAE's 50th uh, National Day In that 50 years, you heard your grandma, your mom, and you knew what they have done. It's not like you you did not know what has... I've met Sheikh Zayed myself, and he is the person who created the UAE or started the whole conversation. And you know what they've done. There's this record. There's this history. You can't really deny it. And because of that, you have 100% faith that they're gonna do what's good for us. And and a lot of people will always say, that's not democracy, you don't choose your president. We don't wanna
1: choose, we're so happy where we are. If that's- That's what's incredible. That's what I try and explain to people when they come up with this democracy argument. I'm like, you guys don't understand how excited and how loyal and how people love, it's love for their leaders. Um, and it's really, to me, it's it's inspiring, um, you know. And and the only people who want democracy are the people who want to, you know, ruin what you have. Uh, people from the Muslim Brotherhood that have been kicked out of the UAE because they were the only people who wanted democracy because they wanted to topple a very well functioning, you know, very well functioning monarchy that does so good for so well for their people. Um, and I think that's really a fascinating thing that i discovered when i was We're really there.
2: blessed we are really blessed um every a friday prayer you would you would hear every house praying for them thanking them because i've never heard of a person who did not approach the government and they sent him to get treated on government expenses education is free health care is free universities are free if you're really good in universities they'll send you to continue your why would anyone do that unless they Hundred percent care about their people.
0: No think, one can. I think what you're saying, Alanud, and uh, you know, I think there are definitely places around the world that are struggling with this at the moment as they go through change and discussion about their futures. Is you have a massive respect and understanding for the tradition and heritage of what has come before, and that informs your understanding of of the country, of the people, your and and, and where you're heading. And and I think when people try and disavow or disconnect with what came before, you lose a sense of where you're actually heading to. I actually personally think it's a huge problem. I think, you know, particularly this has been in the news in America in the UK um, around sort of cancel culture. And I I just think when you when you throw the baby out with the bathwater, what comes next can be pretty problematic. And you mentioned obviously earlier on film being very important in your life and in your career. Um, Talk to us a little bit about filmmaking and also how you see the future of filmmaking for the region um, vis-a-vis Jews and Israelis, perhaps being in, you know, regional movies um, and how that will inform, an understanding of each other because media is another route to education
2: i do believe media is definitely a tool it's 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 a it's a it's a way to give um, um it's with senses you can hear and you can see um, a documentary and you can learn from a documentary what would what, what might take you a longer period of time if you read it in a book and you would have a more understanding because media the way you take the information when you see it visually it's very powerful implement that in everything politics have been abusing media as well there is lots of channels that they've been they have certain agendas and 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 that's how powerful media is and here in the middle east we realized it uh, because of uh, al-jazeera I don't do politics, but I definitely understand how powerful media is and we need to use it. Now in the region, um, we've been um I, I, would, I would this I'm not an expert, but I would explain it in a way that we have been um in a way brainwashed using certain tools of media to make us don't like certain people or, or have a wrong perception or a different perception and 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 I have to give them they, they did it use it properly because it did have an impact, and it did achieve their goals and Now, what we need to do is use that tool, that powerful media tool and I'm a person who works from putting cables into a camera and understanding all of that. It is a camera that's recording something, but once you put that strong and and very smart strategically put media tool, you can reach people's minds, you can change the way they perceive things. And I, I would love to say a film festival where we have Israeli, uh, Arabic, Muslim, uh, all religions, all backgrounds, film that represent the Middle East to educate the world about us. Because in the U.S. they still think that we still have camels and, and, and oh, you have fuel, but where is it in your backyard? I, I've, I've got questions like that. How is the things, uh, how do you get your food or stuff like that? So we need to educate the world about us. What they're getting is from different sources, but we need to have credible sources that shares the truth and shows what's really positive about the region. Powerful, and we need to work together because that's how we will be able to spread the word.
1: I I completely agree. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions about the UAE is the role of women, uh, the role of women in, in leadership positions. I think people assume wrongly that women are somehow subjugated or repressed, or oppressed, or whatever. And when I got there, I found that women were in key, powerful positions. Fifty percent of your council, uh, you know, your government council, are women, which is double the amount of women in our parliament. By the way, is twenty-five percent. You guys are fifty percent. Um, and so, I'd love to hear from you. Again, you lived in the UK. You live in the UAE. What perceptions people have? And what can you say about the role of women today in your country? Um,
2: there's definitely, I agree with you, there is a misperception about how women are treated or their rights. Um, um, like amazingly, they had, they had that wrong perception about Saudi Arabia, and they proved like, you know what we can change as well, and now they have women driving and traveling. Uh, but we never, we never had that issue in the UAE. We, women always were so powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that in history, my grandma was the most powerful woman in the whole family. She says, yes, it happens.
1: She says, no, it doesn't happen. And I mean it. Mar- the mother, the matriarch, what I find in families, in the UAE, maybe it's throughout the Gulf, is the key. The mother decides everything, right? She is, She she's the, the
2: source of love and orders. <laughs> you know, she is everything. And I think it's really important to understand how valuable women are because um, going back to media and the power of media, certain channels were were really targeting women, knowing that women, if they manage to change, shift their principles, they will be able to do that to their children. And by that, they're affecting a whole family. Women is very important. Here, the government said, we want to educate them. No one can fool our women. You get education. My mom was was a teacher. She was teaching boys. And that's, like more than 20, 30 years ago, she was doing that. She became a principal. She did her masters. My grandma did not read. So look at that difference, the spectrum between two generations.
0: I I watched recently a documentary with Melinda Gates um, and she's been doing a lot of work on global female empowerment. And her new book says, you know, raise up women and it raises everybody else. the society i mean it's we we all agree with that i
1: I think the woman is the center of the family and that's why when you in in media it's a very interesting angle that i never thought about uh but in terms of for example in 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 third world countries when you give a woman a way to make an income then you know it's the whole family so just it's different than, than the man, but,
2: but the same with education. An educated mom will be able to educate her kids. A, a woman that understand more about the world, the kids will have that automatically because it's it's it's, it's a given by by nature. And uh, here in the UAE, and through all my life, I don't recall. Other than I think it's, it's it will be more of a, something that in every culture there will be a, a more of a man dominant culture, but we were always empowered yes the man is the father is is the is let's say the pillar of the family but always the wife next to him and i've seen that with my grandma my my sisters my brothers it will be always i want to make that decision what do you think it was not what they think is more like male dominant by image the man is there but it's more of a respect my wife opinion as well in it and that played a huge role in how our government actually encouraged that and emphasized on that. You just mentioned the, the rules in the council. I know myself, and I'm talking every woman I know uh, almost, if, if, if she did not decide that she wanna stay at home, which I really respect if she wanna be at home and raise children, that's totally up to her. But most of them I know, they're educated, they're studying, they have businesses, um, they've been abroad studying. That perception is changing the more they meet And that's why important that social element of meeting different people to know what's really happening on ground in different locations and different
1: countries. Incredible.
0: I I know you've done some work with the development of the banking system in the UAE um, and the economic development of the region. Um, Talk to us about some of your views coming back, I guess, to the futurist stream on this around... How we can use economic development, particularly as a, an example that the UAE have led in terms of their banking infrastructure, I mean, really, they are the, the, the London fin- of, of the Middle East in terms of financial structures. and you know embarrassingly, we are very, way behind here in Israel in terms of that. Um, but with your futurist hat on around economic development in the region, how do you view the development of that?
2: It's very mature. Like, I cannot say it's going to it's gonna need to grow. It is very mature where you have all these international, multinational companies do exist and are growing. So we have a lot of the companies that started even from Dubai have been bought by the Ubers, the Yahoo's, um, and, and the Amazon. So there is also that ecosystem. Economically, I believe that a lot of the companies have this opportunity to build on what the government have already have given them as, 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 as a base, as, as an infrastructure where they can actually plug in. If they understand what is the future need, that's where the futurists come in mind because the government does have, the, our rulers have a plan for the next 10 years. We do have a sustainability plan. We have a food security plan. There is tech and innovation that they've been working on, smart city initiative. So they always, you know, they, they say that to us here, your government say, jump and you say, how high? And that's so true because, I don't know if you guys have heard, but, but it did happen where the ruler would, uh, would, uh, ruler of Dubai, Sheikh Mohammed, he announced an initiative. And those who did not achieve it, he posted about them and said, goodbye, we're gonna bring new people you did not achieve. I gave you a five-year plan, you guys did not achieve it. So that kind of um, personality embeds in all of us. It's not out of fear, it's a challenge. we we wake up, we want to be number one. And that's what we're all walking towards, you know? This is how we, we feel in our daily basis. Let's bring businesses, let's build ecosystem. That's why all the free zones are there to build that place, that ecosystem, provide them with all the facilities that they would need so we can have more businesses grow. A lot of the people when they come and see a free zone, they don't have that concept back in their countries.
1: They don't understand it. I agree that I I went to the I had a meeting with the Futures Foundation, the head of the Futures Foundation, who was really a wonderful man, and I think the most I think the most impressive thing for me was the fact that you guys do think ahead, like you think where well, we're going to be in ten years. We have a twenty thirty plan or we have a twenty forty plan. We we in Israel we run without planning. We just run forward. And I think this is a really nice area of synergy because we're very innovative. We're very problem-solving oriented. Nobody has to be telling us to do that. We do it naturally, but you guys actually plan the pathway towards that, which I think is very smart because you have to change regulation and policy in order to be able to fit the 10-year plan. We don't have, as far as I know, a kind of a holistic, 10 years, what are we going to be doing in 10 years? Because we're kind of more like, let's just survive here and see how things go. So that to me is super, super impressive. And I think a really interesting area of synergy with Israel. A great opportunity for us to exchange. Yeah. Because you
2: said, yeah, you know, they give us a target in the next five years, 10 years, you got to achieve that. We don't have, let's say, a detailed plan. Keeping in mind. Technology change on daily basis, if not weekly, that there is something new that happens. Even sometimes a plan will change because a new technology has been on the surface that you can use that can speed up the process. So it's an amazing opportunity to exchange learnings and see how we can work together.
0: I I, I totally agree with that, Alan Nude, and, and Fleur, I concur with what you're saying. I think it's part of a... A change that is really needed in Israel. You know, we're heading to our fourth election in two years here, and you know, it's it's we love democracy so much, we keep doing it, and, uh, and even if it doesn't function, even if it doesn't work. And, and uh, I, think I want Sheikh
1: Nakhian to come here. And
0: <laughs> I think I think the biggest thing that that I from from where I sit is nobody talks about a vision. What, what am I voting for? What's the future gonna look like if I go with you? Rather than saying mm-hmm. not him, not her, not this one, not that one. Um, what does the future road look like? And I think a combination of what we can learn from our, our, our brothers and sisters in the UAE could be yeah. uh, well a, a good ingredient in the up and coming election. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I, how does it work uh, for, really? Uh, how concerned. do things work oh. here? I, you know, it's a very interesting question. I think that we are, we have been for a long time stuck on survival mode, Um, and survival has also meant innovating, because um, we had the problems that the Middle East face and the problems that we share, for example, water and food security, we had, from the beginning of the establishment of the State of Israel, with no neighbours helping out, because all our neighbors were essentially our enemies. Um, And so we couldn't export um, anything physical. And so what did we do? We invented an invisible export, which is technology. And so I think that Israel has always worked on this kind of, need. this is not a need to, not a nice to, And I think that the next phase of our development as a country has to be, okay, we've achieved this much. We have built a country. We are leading in technology all across the world in this and this and that. Now we have to think what's going to, what are our next 50 years look like? Um, Not just from a security perspective. How do we protect our country from, you know, annihilation? But what do we want to be when we grow up? And I think we're not there yet, or certainly the politicians are not there yet. Um, I, in terms of myself in Jerusalem, I have a vision for Jerusalem and the vision is 10 years, 20 years ahead, you know, and when I tell people about the vision, they're like, <laughs> sure, you know, because nobody thinks 10, 20 years ahead because everybody's in like panic mode to survive. And I think that's really, unfortunately, part of our DNA. I say, unfortunately, because it's a, it's a necessity, or it has been a necessity up until now. The curious thing will be if the Abraham Accords will afford us that kind of security belt that we now have neighbors who are our friends that we don't have to work in panic mode all the time, in survival mode.
2: That's actually, I'm just imagining that that would have been tough on any nation. That would have not allowed anyone to grow, but you guys have done a wonderful job knowing what you guys have achieved it's marvelous yes panic more but but a a positive impact from that panic more because the panic more can take you actually down you know what i mean but this one actually
1: helped you build something and create something yes out of necessity it's always out of this necessity to survive and so i think at some point we had to evolve into like necessity to survive to what are we doing in the next 20 years you know how do we go to the next phase and i think That's a really interesting area with the UAE, which yes grew economically because you needed to survive, but not from a security standpoint, or not from a threat standpoint. Threat of, of flourishing, growing, bringing prosperity, and I think. That's the difference. This is a really interesting area of synergy, actually.
0: I think, Eleanor, there's a a business opportunity for you here to come and do some thought leadership on futurist thinking within countries. So, you know, you're very welcome here in Israel to come and do that. We'll set you up and give you the stage.
2: I got the best, best welcome ever on Twitter. I just said, I'd like to visit Israel. And the warmth welcome of people. I don't know. They don't follow me. I don't know them. But the responses I got, it's like, I'll take you here, I'll take you there. Come and try this. When you come, just let me know. I've never experienced that. I can write, I'll be, uh, I'd love to visit X place, city. And I would never receive
1: that warm welcome like I did from Israel. But Alanud, but, um, I received that warm welcome in Dubai, which means that that's what we have in common. We are the, the, the house of Abraham, uh, you know, who was known for his uh, hosting and for his bringing in travelers and strangers to his tent. And I really, you, you, you can't get away from your DNA and that's that, that's part of both our DNAs, which is what's beautiful. Really interesting. Yeah, very beautiful.
0: Alanud, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Before we leave, just some final thoughts from you on, um, I guess with your eye on the future, as that futurist, what do you see for the for the future of the relationship between both of our countries?
2: So from my background, working in, in, in different sectors, I would say, when it comes to media, understanding business and banking and working in free zones, I definitely see an, an exchange of businesses happening. You just mentioned it was very difficult to import and export. Now we have that already opened. We have Israeli products available here in, in Dubai. We have kosher restaurants opening now here in Dubai. It's a beautiful opportunity. Those who's gonna grasp it from the beginning is who going to actually build a, build more reputation, a brand, market share, et cetera? It's an opportunity for both parties and and both countries and both business people who would like to see how to work together. Some people might be hesitant at the beginning. We're still in, in that phase when I said, remember these twins who just met each other and they're trying to know everything about each other. Some people would, would not know. You know, It's like having someone who's an introvert and someone who's an extrovert. You cannot really change. It's, it's human nature. Some people will be actioning things faster they will come and they would like to do business and that is very important vice versa because that's going to build the the example for others to actually follow when it comes to import export or opening branches or starting a tourism company those who want to come to Dubai who want to go to Israel once this COVID is over hopefully we'll have that the doors open and we'll be able to do that and it's going to be a beautiful exchange of everything when it comes to knowledge uh, cultures, although we're very similar, will be a very interesting exchange of different histories as well and backgrounds. From a futurist point of view, I do believe that both of the countries have a very powerful element with their knowledge and a lot of R&D research and development. Everything I've been reading about, there's a lot of R&D that's been happening. There's a lot of data. They know where certain sectors in technology and innovation are gonna go. It's just helping with financing and pointing at the right direction. And I think here is where the very important part, where the experience and the financing are gonna come together and these projects are gonna be deployed. And here I'm talking about things like Agritech and and going to space and and, in the space center and the research for that. These things are gonna be helping us to have a better future.
1: (laughs) Inshallah.
2: Economically.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, of course. (laughs) That's been wonderful, Alan. So wonderful talking to you. I can't wait. To meet you face to face when you come to Jerusalem and we'll take you round uh, and you'll film whatever you want. Really, it's, it's uh, exciting. Thank
2: you guys. I love this. It was very spontaneous. No questions. Uh, being prepared. I love that we're just chit-chatting. What you feel, you just say. Thank you so much for having me. I hope people enjoy it. If there's anyone who would like have any questions, I'm more than happy. They just reach me out on social media, on the website, thefuturistcompany.com. Any questions? more than happy to help thanks,
0: thanks so much Alan much. thank you for joining Flair and I on the Abraham Accords podcast remember to subscribe so you can be updated on more episodes